Hello, sweet dorks. We are new to Who. Whether you don't know the old and only the new, or just need an entry into classic Doctor Who, we are the chaps with suggestions for you. My name's Colin. I'm Stephen. I'm Dan. Uh, what we're doing here is we're trying to find entry points into classic Doctor Who for anyone who may only be used to new Who, or maybe isn't used to Who at all. Yeah, we're here to uh, hold your hand and gently guide you into the world of uh, bad explosions, Plastic monsters, yep. uh, fluff lines. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. But uh, a recap of the house rules. Uh, okay, so it's only four-part stories, so they're not reliant on continuity or story arcs. Uh, the, all the episodes do have to be in existence because obviously there's some of the early years, some of that stuff's gone possibly forever. So um, this is stuff that we can't really cover uh, yeah. in, in this podcast yet. Yeah, we're not going to hit you with any seven-parters this early on. With having three said, animated pieces. And yeah, having said that, all these rules are they're, they're gentle rules. So, like, I suppose after we've done a bunch of uh, casts, we'll probably start to bend them. We'll, we'll take off the training wheels. And, um, <laughs> and like we mentioned last time, uh, we don't know what the hell we're doing. So uh, we really are just going to be jumping back and forth. There's no, like, concise plotline uh, deconstruction episode by episode. It's nothing like that. We're I gonna- think we're just going to assume you've watched it. Yep. We're not going to treat we're you. We're going like, to try not to run through the story beat by beat. No, we're so. just going to we're just going to bounce back and forth. We're going to be all over the place is what I'm saying. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we do get have a ready. loose framework yeah. to run with, but we uh yeah. don't always read it. Set your TARDIS coordinates for confusion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as mentioned in the last episode, today we are covering Terror of the Zygons from 1975. It is Tom Baker's first story from his second season. If you were to describe Terror of the Zygons in one sentence, Stephen, how would you describe it? Shape-shifting aliens plan to take over the world using the Loch Ness Monster. I couldn't have said it better that, myself. That is exactly what happens. It's um, also bonkers. Yeah, it, it is, is completely nuts. bonkers. And it's kind well, of gross it's, as well. It's, you know, we're talking about cowboy years of television, gentlemen. These, these, are, these are the years <laughs> where anything was possible because the budget wasn't there. And, and the un, insanely unlikely event that you're both listening to a Doctor Who podcast and don't know anything about Tom Baker... Uh, he's the fourth <laughs> doctor, you know? the curly haired guy with the big teeth big and, the scarf. and the scarf. Yeah, probably the definitive yeah. version of yeah. the doctor. Most recognizable face in Classic Who. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why we've chosen him for our first official story uh, dissection. And my like. favorite, maybe my favorite team, one of my favorite teams ever. It's yes. like easy classic Sarah Jane Smith, mm. Harry Sullivan, Brigadier. Yeah, it's mm. pretty perfect. Yeah, and in terms of the production team, we've got the magical Philip Hinchcliffe and Robert Holmes partnership. Mm. Philip Hinchcliffe, the producer, and Robert Holmes, the script editor for probably or widely recognised the best three seasons of classic Doctor Who. Mm. Well, that's controversial. It oh, is. Jeez. Yeah. Making a big call about Hinchcliffe. Uh, Holmes, Holmes, Holmes is great. Holmes is one of those perennial writers that keeps popping up every now and then uh, throughout the course of Doctor Who. But this is his time on the show as the actual script editor, not just a writer. And his vision really takes hold. It's a very sort of dark, almost cynical at times, uh, vision of Doctor Who um, that's very much founded in the gothic horror and it makes for a very atmospheric story. Oh, I don't know if you could get any more atmospheric than this. (laughs) 
I think it helps also having Douglas Camfield as the director. Mm. Probably one of the best directors yeah, of classic. You love, you love mm. Dougie Camfield? I do. I think he's you know, he's been around for a long time. Um he's someone who is recognised as one of the best at the BBC and he really brings just a, a great technical aspect to um to the storytelling as well. So with Terror of the Zygons, of course, we're setting the scene. Uh we are on the plains of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure we know it's in Scotland. I'm pretty sure the Doctor steps out of the TARDIS wearing a bunch of tartan. Yeah, well, he's wearing a tartan scarf. He's wearing the hat with the bobble. The bobble, the barret. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, a nice touch, I thought, was Harry coming out in the Doctor scarf. Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice. Yeah, no, yeah, I, he's yeah, actually wearing, he's wearing... Still in the blue jacket? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I think. I think, yeah. And, and yeah. guys, Sarah Jane, you keep banging on about her. Oh. Why is she the best companion? Oh, you have to set aside for the... Straight, I mean, you have to set aside the fact that she's a... A strong female character. Yeah. She is... Uh, Probably she emerges in a time of uh, television where women are finding a voice. We're talking mid-70s here, right? Mm. So obviously feminism, um, Germaine Greer's a late 60s kind of uh, mm. first wave of feminism. I think it's fair to say this is probably the first wave of popular representation mm. of strong feminist yeah. Yeah. Uh, characters on television. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah Jane Smith is a journalist. She's, you know, she's not... She's not helpless. People no, always she's use the plucky. word plucky to describe her. She like is whatever. plucky. And yeah. she's plucky in this. She's, uh, she's obstreperous, man. She's not, not afraid. Mm. She, she runs into things, mm. she asks questions. Mm. She doesn't make anyone tea. Apart from all of that, it's probably down to Elizabeth Sladen herself, the she's, actress. She is... She's charismatic. She's very charismatic. Her um, mm. chemistry with Tom Baker Yeah, you buy on it, screen, you believe it. Yeah. You believe it. They are obviously friends as well. Um, off camera, you can tell that there's a rapport there, there's a respect, and they work very well together. I think so. Yeah. I think also something that's worth uh, mentioning for new Who fans, this is mm. the character upon whom Clara Oswald was based. Wow. What? I yeah. had no idea about that. Are you that. serious? Are you yep. serious? Absolutely. Yeah, ballsy, plucky, yeah. likes to tell the doctor off. Short, dark great hair. hair. Yeah, short, yeah. <laughs> short and dark hair. Yeah. Great, uh, great outfits. Sarah Jane, mm. Some of Sarah Jane's outfits are pretty... Um, of their time. Of their time. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say of their time. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. further, the further we get into to Baker, yeah, uh, I think Sarah Jane does do some screaming and some and some running away. There may be the odd sprained but ankle, for, like yeah. But for yeah. now, we're in the start of season two. She's mm. like this is powerhouse Sarah Jane. And yeah, then, and then we've got Harry Sullivan, who mm, I love. Harry, played by the wonderful Ian Martyr. Uh, sadly, uh, Terry of the Zygons is his last story, and he really didn't get given much of a departure. We'll touch on that later. Uh, he's, uh, but he's sort of like more of a. Uh, a blokey. You know what he is. He is the Doctor Who equivalent of Bulldog Drummond or James Bond, <laughs> oh, right? Wow. He's he's meant to have actually. He was meant a- to be an action man. No, he guy. was mm. because when Tom was first cast, they actually didn't know whether they were going to get an older actor or not, and it wasn't until later on in the piece that Tom mm. was cast. Uh, they needed an action man. I thought. Uh, and they thought they obviously um, Harry Sullivan would be the character that would provide the legs and the arms. That's right. Yes, to an older I have read that before. He yeah. does have some action man moments during his time, but I just remember him mostly just telling Sarah Jane off, or being, and then being really nice to her. Harry, and then being mean to her. Yeah, <laughs> old thing. Yeah, yeah. old yeah, thing. Calls her old, old girl, <laughs> old. and that's how she knows that he's not a shape shifting alien. Yeah, 
Well, maybe we'll... Yeah, that's later. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Enjoy this edit, Cole. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be right. a nightmare. I think if we're going to be um, touching on our TARDIS team, we should also be touching on uh, another character, the Brigadier, played by the wonderful Nicholas Courtney, a recurring character, uh, and very much uh, the head of the unit family, who are a big part of John Pertwee's years and Tom Baker's as well. I mean, the that, unit family came into existence with, with the Doctor's exile to Earth. Uh, obviously... By this point in Zygons, he's not exiled anymore, but he is very much on call. And that's pretty much what happens here. The Brigadier calls the Doctor to come to Scotland. I'm using quotation fingers here, to Scotland, (laughs) uh, uh, to help investigate the mysteries of oil rigs being destroyed by some unknown force. Mm. Uh, And the uh, deaths... Something I liked, the Doctor was only concerned about the deaths of the men involved. He was like, you don't call me back here for oil or whatever the line was <laughs> and then is. it was like then the brigadier was like yeah well, well you know there's also people dying here so and at that point he was invested I thought that was really nice uh, the brigadier also is a, a character that we see uh, to a degree in the new series as well mm. Kate Lethbridge Stewart the head of unit in the new series is also the brigadier's daughter yeah that's right and we obviously have references to the Brigadier in the form of the cyberized cyber. What do you oh, call it? Really crap <laughs> Cyberman um, Brigadier right at the end mm, of the um, Death in Heaven. Oh man! Yeah. So, I don't think we should go there, guys. Honestly, <laughs> I've got I've got feelings about this, and I don't know if this it was, is the place. You're for right. It was a touching moment. There were, there were you know there were touching tears through tears mm. through, through the tears of rage. <laughs> it was okay, guys. So we are going to get into uh, the actual story of the Zygons. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. did you hear that, guys? That is the spoiler music. We have entered the spoiler zone. So if you haven't uh, if you haven't actually watched the story and for some reason you're listening to a podcast about a story you haven't watched yet, mm. turn us off and, and go and yeah. check it out. Yeah. But come back later. But come back later. Obviously, don't keep listening us. if you don't give a shit. Oh, I can't say that. Um, <laughs> well, we'll just, you know, we'll yeah. just um, screwdriver it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, something I really, I really want to touch off on early is uh, due to budget restrictions... We're not in Scotland. <laughs> We're in the south of England. I guess they never would have. There's no reason they would ever need to go to Scotland. We're just shooting in this in the in the south. Yeah, right? yeah. South Ambersham on the south coast of England doubles for Tullochmore in the Scottish Highlands in this instance, and that's that's as far as we're going to go. <laughs> and a Amazing. pretty good. I like the and a, and a prop stands in for a natural mm. oil rig, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think the prop was that bad. No, no, okay. it was actually quite good. Oh, you know um, what though? Looking looking at that, the way that it's shot, it's mm. it's under studio lights, but it's made to look like it's night. It's it's a big giant water tank like they may have in Thunderbirds mm. they sort of use a bit of slow-mo as mm. well to make it look quite <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a bit of slow-mo as in that goes show. through the episode this is the, when, when the spaceship takes off and yes and whenever yeah. there's water there's uh, mm. look I don't think the model work in this one's too bad particularly no, no. the, like the underwater the stuff man. I yeah. like no I, cool. I actually t- oh I wrote that goodness. in my notes as well the the, the uh, departure of the Zygon craft probably needed more moss on it if it was meant to be down there for centuries <laughs> it was yeah. looking a little bit clean maybe they, maybe but, they um, get out and clean it maybe they get out and scrub the thing man Zygon's they don't have much to do, do they? Actually, Zygons are meticulous because the spaceship and their technology, I'm just going to start this off by saying it's gross. Oh, yeah. It's disgusting. Uh, well, it's like it's organic. Well, they call it organic crystallography. That's which right. Which is 
something that, pretty dumb but yeah, yeah I, I, that's just my view but uh i do love the idea though that oh. we're talking about technology that's based on an organic substance mm. i love looks that good on paper. whenever whenever you it looks, use looks, looks, looks good whenever, on paper <laughs> no whenever organic <clears throat> computers or organic technology comes or you know a shit that's so technically alive comes up mm. in, in sci-fi i love mm. that idea but um whenever that control console man mm-hmm. uh, it's covered in those weird nipples uh, and i swear <laughs> to god whenever you yeah. see a zygon or human hand on any zygon control console mm. or switch or anything yeah man that hand comes in slowly we're talking it's, erogenous yeah zones. it caresses yeah. it's like you see a zygote hand comes in, come in and it lovingly <laughs> squeezes it's a bit where a doc, the doctor releases the um yeah the guy the the body doubles from um hypersleep or whatever mm. and uh when he when he wiggles those nodules man it's dodgy yeah <laughs> yeah it's gross and yeah and there's uh there's a speaker in the doctor's when the doctor's being yeah. It looks like a custard donut there's, there's on the we- wall. It's a weird, splattered, veiny hole. Oh, yeah. so gross! I love it. It's great. I reckon it's in keeping with the Zygon design as well, which totally. I think stands up. Obviously, they were redesigned for uh, Day of the Doctor and the Zygon two-parter in the Capaldi uh, second season. Yeah. But they look magnificent. I think they look great. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, we're talking about the actual design of the Zygons themselves. Yeah, this is not out of place from a 1950s American horror film. These oh. guys, this is an instant classic design. I reckon you're right. It trades so heavily on the body horror mm. genre, and it goes back essentially to 50s bo- uh, mm. B, uh, body snatches. Yeah, body snatches. Yeah. Exactly. It works on two levels for me. Right. There's that r- totally repulsive. Mm horrible sort of aspect of the horror, the body Mm. horror. But in addition to that, there's a wonderful sort of conceptual horror Mm. to it as well. Who's to say that used to sitting next to me right now aren't Zygons? Now, this idea that as a kid watching at home, mum and dad might be Zygons. There's that wonderful existential threat that comes from the fact that they are shapeshifters. Yeah, kids use their imaginations. Making kids scared is what they're good at. Like, it's like the Auton thing where you Mm. can make um, shop dummies come alive. Mm. Like, every time a kid walks past a shop or a policeman on the street, Mm. they're going to get freaked out because, yeah. Could be an auton, yeah. And this, yeah. and yeah. I, I can only imagine that things like this are like when they were first aired on the BBC, they would have created waves because all of a sudden, do children feel safe around policemen in the street? <laughs> they, they, they should feel safe around policemen in the street. Um, They're there to help, you know. It's um, I do love that Zygon design, uh, but I, have, I was saying to you before, any alien that can't turn its uh, head on a neck, that's <laughs> you know, they're short change. Also, mm. uh, whenever whenever in Doctor Who there's an alien that talks really slowly. And Deliberately, I've got to say, uh, I just, I, I'm just wondering, how do they ever get anything done? There's a bit where he says, like, "Immediately, Commander." Yeah, like, man, he's just looking at his watch. He's like, yeah. "Immediately, just finish yeah, the sentence." Yeah, speaking of immediately, we are in Scotland again. Quotation fingers around Scotland. Um, unit have uh, commandeered a local man's pub for their base. This poor man played. Uh, oh, not just any man. The indomitable Angus Lenny. Angus, Angus, Angus Lenny. Angus Lenny playing Angus Fergus McReynolds. <laughs> the seventh son of a seventh son. He is the seventh he, son of a seventh son. And he's been in Doctor Who before. He was in the Ice Warriors story. Was it yes. Yeah. It actually was the Ice Warriors, wasn't yeah, it? Right. Mm. Yeah. It's an old Trouton one. Yeah. But he basically plays the same character, a, a sort of camp mm. Scottish. Yeah, he's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, his family's been uh, at Tullochmore for generations. Uh, word around town is that he has the gift of second sight. <laughs> Aside from the fact that he loves to dish on a bit of gossip, a little local, <laughs> local town gossip. When we cut to um, Angus Fergus McReynolds' pub, he's in the middle of bagpipe practice. Yeah. <laughs> Trying Just to chuck to as sure. many yeah. Scottish cliches in there as possible because this certainly isn't the south coast of england and there's a lot of just yeah there's a lot of um scottish accents like some bad scottish accents oh my god i think there's only uh, i looked it up and i only 
two Scottish people I could actual actually so find. That's, that's interesting. Lenny, mm-hmm. the, the landlord and the nurse. I mean. Uh, Sister, Sister Lamont. Lamont. Sister is she Lamont. Even a nurse? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I call her Auntie is. Matron. But, um. <laughs> <laughs> the big ginger guy, Kaber, not Scottish as far as I could tell. Oh, what? Mm. Uh, and the Duke, who's but the amazing. Um, John Woodner. Oh, the Duke so Fogel. The yeah. worst. The worst Scottish accent. He's sort of very plummy in, in English, <laughs> and he rolls his eyes like a Scotsman would. You know, yeah. Dinner you can. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, Apart from that, he is really great. He's very smug. Yeah. But immediately smug, immediately condescending as soon as mm. he walks into that mm. And And I think you can tell the difference of between, like, John Woodnut when he plays Broton playing mm. the Duke of Fogel as opposed mm. to John yeah. Woodnut playing mm. the Duke of Fogel. Because I didn't realise that he was... Actually, in the he was Broton. He was in the suit as the head Zygon, yeah. as well as being the Jew. I only for, mm. found that out yesterday. That's amazing. And he plays them both so well. I think <laughs> yeah. he plays them both great. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that he was actually Broton. Yeah, yeah, it's him well. with the eyes yeah. and the mouth oh, underneath. Oh, no, I'm going that suit. again. Yeah. If he had a bad Scottish accent in the Zygon suit, then you would have noticed. Can I talk about this great shot? The, <laughs> like, the way they reveal the Zygon slowly over the first episode is mm. pretty awesome. The first thing we see of an actual Zygon, I guess, oh. is the hands, but the, the next thing we see is a close-up crop of the eyes. The eyes, mm-hmm. the eyes are great. Brings to mind, I don't know why I keep thinking of this, Capaldi at the end of uh, Day of the Doctor. Oh, okay. like, we only see his eyes, like when all the doctors come together. Yeah. Like, yeah, you see it's his, a like, similar it's, shot, I agree. It, it, it reminds me of that, I don't know why. But, but the, this is a trope in Doctor Who. When you've got a man in a rubber suit, mm. or a Dalek, or whatever the case is, you will get a close-up of a body part first. Mm. Yes, best mm. not to or, show it all in, in high BBC lighting mm. straight away. <laughs> Until the end of episode one. Oh, wow. And that's Fantastic. when you get the full body reveal. So, so We've got Sarah's, Sarah, on Sarah's on the phone and the Zygon is behind her and we don't know that yet. Mm. And it just you see the hand come in, the camera pulls out, I think. Yeah. And we see this She freaks out. Which, well, yes, I freaked out. I freaked well, out too. It's genuinely scary. It's a it's scary a, costume anyway, but then it, Zygon also has his mouth, mouth open. Yeah. And it's making a guttural sort of weird noise. noise. That's the first time you see that Zygon design. That so and um, yeah, it genuinely was scary, and I could imagine a lot of kids uh, wetting their kicks. Actually, yeah, <laughs> maybe suffering a little bit of trauma. Maybe not sure whether they want to see the next episode because that was maybe a little bit uncomfortable. So we get introduced to the characters and the unit family and all of that, but we also get introduced to this idea that oil rigs have been smashed down by what appears to be a Loch Ness monster. Yeah. Um, well, this is the thing, isn't it? There's that wonderful shot of the body uh, washing up on the shore, yeah. and it's got the lifesaver around the waist, and, and you think, and you're thinking, is it that, that guy's dead? You know. Yeah. But, he, but he's not. Um, so later on, when he's sort of stumbling around on the moor, uh, Harry finds him. The, this guy's obviously from the oil rig the last one that's been sort of destroyed. So right before um, he gets to tell Harry and explain what's happened to the oil rig, uh, this guy gets shot. Yeah. And it's, and it's, um, it's the caper out on the moor. He's... Well, they war- uh, the Duke warned anyone that walks on his land that they'll be shot. If my gilly catches them on my land again, they'll be shot. And that's no idle threat, Mr. Heckle. Yeah. Then he attempts to take out Harry... For all intents and purposes, Harry gets shot in the head. Yeah. Oh, yeah he uh, so that was like that was an aim to kill that mm. shot. As it happens, he's only grazed. He's <laughs> he, he's uh, auntie matrons looking after him in the oil rig hospital. How many times does someone get grazed by a bullet in Doctor Who? <laughs> many times. Only the heroes. Well, you know, a bullet grazes is so easy to do with makeup. It's just like a, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of lipstick on the forehead or whatever, and I think he'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. I love also that we have Harry in bed 
almost mm. passed out, but delivering what's known as an exposition coma. Ah. So <laughs> half asleep, he's able to impart vital knowledge. <laughs> oh, to yeah. Sarah Jane. <laughs> oh, it's so true. <laughs> on the moor. Oh, Rick. So in the midst of all this, while you've got Harry sort of like laying in bed in his fever dreams, Sister Lamont, a.k.a. Zygon Matron, is uh, going, uh, she takes Harry out of the bed yeah. and takes him back to the Zygon ship where... Uh, Broton explains everything in detail. Yeah, Basil exposition of the whole plot, mm. needlessly to one of the Doctor's companions, but there you have it. Mm. He's um, confident, man. Broton's confident yeah. in the so, power of uh, organic, organic crystallography. crystallography yeah. yeah. So now, what do we find out here about about the Scarrison yeah, itself? It's now, it's like it's creepy. like a cybernetically engineered well, organism yeah. that um, produces a lactate milk that the Zygons drink and they use <laughs> it for sustenance. Like, that did not horrible, need to be there. disgusting. <laughs> I forgot about that because it's an armor plated. Because I think the way I understand it, it's actually already a creature that was it's, that's from Earth. But they take it, they augment it, they armor plate it, they cybernetically change yeah, it. Yeah, no, yeah. it's a creature you know that's native to their planet. They've brought oh, they brought, brought it with them, them in yeah. embryo form. Yeah, ah. grown it there, engineered it, <laughs> drunk from its tits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they've got to bring its food source. In the meantime, though, it's worth noting um, the Doctor's role in this. Yeah. I, I can't believe how alien Tom Baker is already oh. playing this. There's that shot. That shot um, where the Brigadier um, and that Canadian guy from the oil rig. Huckle. Huckle. Oh, yeah, uh, the Canadian. Can I, for in all intents and purposes, I'd like to call him uh, Canadian Brian. Um, <laughs> Canadian Brian's talking with the dog. He's very surly, Canadian Brian. And he demands answers in a surly fashion. Because he's an oil he, man. He's an oil man, through and through. Um, and, yeah, and there's just that shot of Tom. He's sitting in the corner, and he's like, he's not really talking at this stage. He's just listening. Is it he one looks, of those times when he he looks alien? Are... He's just sitting there glaring, basically. <laughs> and it's just like, my God, Tom Baker's wonderful. It's never far from his mind that I guess that he's playing an alien. Mm. You know, for all of his human um, sensibilities, or the Doctor's human sensibilities, he still has these wonderful moments where he really does stand out. And I think Dougie Camfield, as the director, does a great job in highlighting this. So there's one or two instances, and Dan mentioned it, like there's the Doctor reclining with the hat over his face, like he can't really care, he's almost half asleep but taking mm. in all the information. Yeah, yeah. like he's but, angry that he's been... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but then there's these other moments where he, his enormous face just appears into shot, you know, his boggling eyes yeah. or his massive teeth yeah. and curls. Yeah. And it's just like, this guy's insane. He's yeah. absolutely bonkers. Yeah. He smiles at inappropriate moments yes. he's in mortal danger. <laughs> like yeah. an alien would, I suppose. And he's got that incredible line. I know you love this no, line, Cole. What is I it? Do. Canadian Brian uh, says something along the lines of, the radio picked up some strange sound, but as far as we know, the sea was calm and empty. Maybe calm, but it's never empty. Just I the way he delivers it as well. Oh my god! It's just fantastic. that very sort of low menace, menacing kind of sinister. The sea maybe. What was it? The, the sea, sea may be, it may empty. be calm, but it's never, never empty. empty. <laughs> so true. And they, 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 they find they find the concrete block from the oil rig. And it's got those big holes. Yeah, it's in it. a, teeth. Yeah, yeah. teeth. So <laughs> the doctor does that cool like plaster pencil. It's a bit. It's a bit science-y. Oh, it's great I, for like, science. Yeah, Absolutely. I had no idea what he was doing when I was a kid. I was like, "What is he doing?" And then he's he pouring pulls, plaster Paris into these holes, and he pulls them out, and they're teeth marks. Yeah, Orthodontology, cool. the study of teeth. So, all of a sudden, now I guess what they're going for here is uh, the idea that the Loch Ness monster might be real. I That's understand disgusting. that the the head of the the actual sort of uh, design is mm. uh, a fox. Yeah, fox skull. A fox skull. Yeah, mm. kind of looks like a shaved poodle, or well, it's like, got those wide bits on the side of its head. From the, from a you know from a side profile shot of its head, it kind of looks like one of those um, 
those dragon suits from Chinese New Year. Or yeah, something. it does look like yeah. a shaved poodle at the end when it's when it's chewing the um, the signal thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Really... Well, it plays fetch as well, so it's kind of like you can mock this this prop and the like, yeah. this monster. But I love it. I I, I do I like it. it. <laughs> also, I think it's like the maybe the only one of the only. The, like low points well technically of the whole the whole because yeah, there there's was, so much more going for this well this there was story. a lot of stuff shot mm-hmm. with this um with this um puppet or model or whatever you want to call it um of the Loch Ness monster that just didn't get used because it looked so bad and if you oh, want to watch classic yeah. who I feel like at least one time every story you've got to forgive them always mm-hmm. yeah always and in this case it's definitely the Loch Ness monster yeah, yeah. that's the one you've got the, to you've got to remember they're working with nothing yeah. and while you've got your downfalls like the Loch Ness monster or the Scarrison as it's called you've also got your your wonderful other points you've got the actual Zygon design yeah. mm-hmm. someone has someone has designed that they made three suits, didn't they? Three suits. In yeah, there? well, it's weird because you've got. I don't know if you when you watch it when you see all the Zygons in a room together, like say they're in their, their, the control mm. room of their ship. You've got your hero props, which are essentially like Broton's mm-hmm. Broton's mask. Is there's attention to detail. You know, you don't see the, the person joins, inside. Yes. You know, but the ones in the background, they're basically got eye holes cut with scissors, <laughs> uh, mouth holes. Their heads are all wonky. Like they're just in the background. They're serving as just uh, something out of focus yeah. to be standing yeah, there. There's so much to spend on. Is that great console room? Um, console yeah. room. Oh, oh, it all costs the money. Sets like that. The set in the, the Duke's castle, the library. Mm. And there's all the 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 on the OB, all the outside broadcast stuff where they shoot mm. on location. Which yeah. is actually where a lot most of the money goes in Doctor Who. So whenever mm. you've got an out side broadcast mm-hmm. the OB which is always filmed on film as yes, well not on videotape so it looks mm-hmm. a lot more expensive yeah. Yeah. you've got to factor into account the travel and the accommodation of the cast of and crew which is why we're in the south of England right, because exactly. they didn't so, even have the money to, to go to Scotland something I actually want to touch on actually and it's got to do with Ian Martyr's performance again <laughs> because I think um, he really hits his straps in this story uh, he's amazing in this one he's really amazing because not only is he playing the lovable Harry Sullivan that we all know and love. Mm. He's also got to play a body double. He's got to play a Zygon doubling as Harry Sullivan. Yeah, yeah. So immediately he's got this wonderful take on what that would be like. He's sinister. Yeah. He's um, he's scary. All that joviality that sort of comes across, particularly mm. in his um, you know interrelationships with um, with with Sarah, the way that they get on and Josh yeah. about, that's all gone. Yeah. You just have this basically sort mm. of you know poker face serial killer kind yeah, of persona absolutely. that comes into the yeah. room looking for this trilanic activator, and, the MacGuffin of the piece. And he's so the the demeanor, the energy that he's giving off, you immediately think this isn't safe. Yeah, and um, in the end, she actually chases him out of the room. Yeah, and that's as you right. say, grabs so wait, what, the squad. So, um, after what, what happens? He because tr- he tries to take the 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 ma- trilanic activator, the mating whistle, which is yeah, basically the the, the, the sex whistle, <laughs> the thing that brings the scarrison to, to to yeah. They, this is what's they're, they're using these to summon it to destroy the Ulrichs and and stuff. But you know, he takes it. He does a runner. Mm. So, Dan, you were talking before about that great chase scene where Sarah's chasing him through the streets of well, the town. Because I love when she grabs the... She doesn't just tell the unit guys to go after him. No, she goes with him. Like, they're running... I don't know if they slow themselves down to, so that she can catch up to them or something, because like, she's pretty small. But, like, they're really bolting. They're really pegging. Yeah. And they, so they just follow her lead. Because I guess, in a way, she's, um, she's, she works with the scientific advisor of units. She's kind of <laughs> like... She's pulling rank, I guess. Uh, which yeah. is a great... Another we, great... Even um, though she doesn't have one, it's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> can we talk about the barn scene? Oh, absolutely. I love the barn scene. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so at this point, um, Zygon Harry's gone and taken cover inside this uh, this empty barn and he goes up into the hayloft and, he, and he's and he's hiding in there now he knocks something over I think Sarah hears it 
She goes in straight after him. Yeah, she like, does, there's not there's even no, a flinch. She's no just pause. like, oh, okay, there you are. I'm going to come in after mm. you. God knows what she's going to, you know, she's, it's going to happen to her. No, she doesn't she's know that. She's just acting yeah. weird, right? She, he's, he's just acting very weird. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she goes up the ladder into the hayloft. And this is, again, Ian Marta, full props. Yeah. He scared the pants off me. Yeah, when he's um, stabbing at the camera with yeah, well, pitchfork. He comes, yes. he, comes out, he, he comes out and lunges at her with a pitchfork. The look on his face. Yeah, he's like, you good. believe he wants to kill her. Yeah. Like, can, I, can I just yeah. uh, say how good Douglas Camfield's direction mm. is with the point of view shot from yeah, Harry and yeah. Sarah in this exchange. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it is it. so visceral. It's amazing. It's like you're in there with, you know, Harry or mm. Zygon and Harry with the, with mm. the, um, well, the pitchfork. Well, you know, it all comes together. You've got you've got his direction. You've got Marta's performance. Mm-hmm. You've got it from the point of view of Sarah. You almost feel like Sarah. Like you almost feel like yeah. you are standing there in that hayloft, and you do have a Zygon uh, <laughs> doubling as one of your best friends. Or your mate just trying to stab you with a pitchfork. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we get the the next reveal uh, because he falls off the edge of the hayloft, ends up on the turns floor. Turns into a Zygon. Yeah. He can turns... I can I just say it's, mm. it was meant to be more horrific than that, right? Like so, obviously we see the Zygon or Harry Zygon Harry fall off the bar the, uh, the loft yeah. onto the barn floor below, mm. and we we kind of assume oh you know that's the end of that because of mm. the fall. It's not, and it's actually in the novelization as well. He's meant to have impaled himself on oh the pitchfork. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, which wow. would have obviously would have been a bit a uh, step too far even. For, I think uh, I need to start reading the Hinchcliffe. targets as well as watching the stories. <laughs> Oh, man. I wish I'd done that now. That's dedication. Uh, yeah. This yeah. man is dedicated to this podcast. Oh, no, you I, heard it, guys. He's going to he's gonna read every single novelization <laughs> before we record. Every single one, apart from this one and the last one. Okay. The hunt for the Zygon, I think, is so effective in that scene that they repeat it again and it doesn't suffer for it. So yeah. we have that scene later on where the sister Lamont Zygon mm. is being pursued by the unit squaddies through the forest. The auntie matron? Yeah, yeah auntie that matron. Was, uh, yeah. yeah, that was creepy. And, and it, it's been She's wounded. A, <laughs> She's a real old boiler. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, I, yeah, this is the stuff I love. They're it reminds me of gunning. being a child. I love this. It's like uh, you've got the Zygon flitting between the trees. You've got unit with their guns. Yeah. Um, it's it's great. They're taking pot shots. They actually hit. Do they actually hit her? Yeah, they hit they her. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. she's leaving the blood trail yeah. behind oh, her. Yeah. Great. And she yeah. gets to the other end, and she's yeah. now reappeared in the Sister Lamont form. Yeah. So you've got that unit soldier who's oh. unlucky enough to be on his own. There's uh, always one. Yeah, poor, there's always one. Yeah, yeah. there's always they one lose, poor they unit lose guys at a rate. And man. she only has to fool him long enough to cave in his skull with a rock, essentially. Um, and then leave him where he lies. I always think of the brigadier at the end of these mm. adventures having to sit down and write these letters to these <laughs> forlorn mothers. It's like, sorry, we paused for a moment before we shot the bad guy, and in that <laughs> split second, he murdered your son in, yep. in a second. But he died defending the earth, so... Yeah. Speaking of deaths, uh, we should backtrack a little bit and go back to Angus... Angus oh, McReynolds in his pub. Yeah, the downfall of Angus it's Fergus McReynolds. It's so sad. Angus is um, on his own in his pub and he's cleaning up around the place and he spots the eyeball on the deer head. <laughs> and it's a uh, little bit cute little moment um, when he's being filmed or he's on his own and there's no, he thinks he's alone. There's and no other characters, and he, is he cleaning? Yeah, he's cleaning and singing, singing a song. Yeah. I love that. So sweet. <laughs> Although it sounded like it didn't quite sound Scottish. It sounded a bit. Oh. <laughs> he's the seventh son of a seventh son. Man. Yeah, he's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. But he is—he's on his own, and he's doing his thing. He's just spring cleaning or whatever. Zygon matron comes in. 
Oh, you uh, don't even see her come in. The, again, no. Douglas Campfield, the shot again to, it sort of um, cuts away mm. and standing impassively behind the sort of, you know, busily mm. going along cleaning mm. Angus um, is, is, is this sinister form. Um, he's like, oh, sister, I didn't see you there. You're dead, mate. Auntie oh. Matron reverts to Zygon form for this. She goes back to Zygon form, strangles him to death. Oh, it's terrible. Unit, unit soldiers outside hear his blood-curdling <laughs> scream. Come into the pub. Okay, Zygon Matron's gone. Yeah. Angus is dead on the floor. Oh, what a unit do? They don't even check his body. They just grab their rifles, step over him like he's garbage. Yeah. And go in pursuit. Well, they're, of... I presume that they're all, they're all English soldiers and he's a Scot. So, so uh, you know. Yeah, um, she, and so she changes to a Zygon form just to kill the guy. Just to kill the guy, and which she, is sadistic. Because uh, Nurse Lamont Zygon hates being a human she yeah. hates it because oh, later in right. I think it's episode 3 or 4 yeah uh, she uh, the on the Zygon Kaber, ship yeah Kaber Zygon says um, we have to change back you know to Zygon form and mm. she's like good I loathe this, uh, uh, this abomination form. of a body <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah, man, it's so yeah, good yeah it, which is another cool little insight, wasn't it? It's like it's it's lovely to get little things like that it's like yeah of course they would so, they look awful to us but we look awful to <laughs> them so when, so, so when Les Lamont gets to kill someone which she obviously loves doing yeah she, she wants to she do wants it to change back to her natural form yeah is it really, that though really i think I th- is it isn't not just that the zygons can't sting you or whatever it is that they do mm. unless they're in their natural form that's, that's what i always thought the sting, uh, i don't know if the sting is actually in the finished story because i know that in the maybe in the book and in the yeah. original script they're supposed to have a sting that kills yep. people mm. but i think that may have been cut in the show yeah. and they yeah. just yeah. i don't people. i don't know that um she had any intention of using the sting anyway she um, was really into just what i mean throttling I, the life out <laughs> Yeah, I think that at the end, Broton kills that unit soldier just by clobbering him, just whacks him. Yeah, or like just a, he strangles him for like uh, half yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Subject okay. to uh, interpretation, I guess. Okay. Oh okay. my god! Actually, something yeah. I want something I want to talk about. I know I've touched on this already, but I can't let it go. <laughs> uh, it's kind of the way Unit treats poor Angus in his own pub. Uh, now you've got okay, you've got Sarah picking up the phone when it rings. There, she just helps herself to the receiver. Hello, Foxen. Yeah. Like, she mocks him. She, she mocks him. She mocks the brigadier for wearing a kill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She mocks uh, Angus and, this is and the all man's of Scotland. Business. This is his business. <laughs> yeah. This is his home and his business that he's running. Commandeered by unit. Yeah, like at the start with the when he's doing bagpipe practice, like the brigadier's like, oh, "I'm afraid we've kind of imposed here." You know? it's like, oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, oh man, um, and then you've got all. So like you've got Benton like when they're looking for bugs like he comes in he comes into his his bar and it's being ransacked by unit soldiers <laughs> they're like knocking things over they're looking behind things and he's I like, love what? that he mistakes bugs for actual yeah. oh I love that I run yeah, a, yeah, I run yeah, a clean you can place. tell your brigadier that I run a clean house <laughs> bugs is it yeah. it's so good I love that and he's like and he very innocent he's like mind my things you know because he's got things around his pub yeah, he's got like it's artifacts his home. and stuff so mind the bed warmer you know that was owned by a duke Benton is turns around and goes yeah sure it was mate yeah we believe you whatever <laughs> mate and then makes fun of his second sight again uh, he's my pick of this story yeah mate, I, I, the end of every uh, story. and I've got a I've got a favorite line of his as well let's see if I can do the accent okay. no, <laughs> I know I this. can't I know I can't do it but I'm gonna do it anyway the mist rays like the steam from a witch's cauldron <laughs> can I talk about another chase scene yeah so we've got the doctor towards the end of part two and yeah. the cliffhanger is um, in the showdown with the Scarrison where he has the trilanic activator, which is the MacGuffin, which mm-hmm. basically... The sex whistle. There's, yeah. a, there's <laughs> a lot of great terms in this, a trilanic activator. Yeah. Is it, what's the... Dynacon, Dynacon thrust, Dynacon which is thrust the... Is uh, yeah, which is what the uh, like Zygon rich. spaceship, you know, uses to get up Dynacon. off the ground. That's great. Yeah. But there's a... Um, 
Oh, it's just wonderful that in, at the end of part two, like it's the Doctor and the Scarrison, it's like mm. a showdown between the two of them, if you like, and he runs out of petrol, he gets out, he's got to be running on foot here. It's just, it's, it, mm. the Doctor as an alien is obviously, uh, you know, seen to be someone who's incredibly brilliant in this story. The point of the cliffhanger isn't that we want to know if, we want to know how. Because mm, he's definitely mm. going to... Exactly, yeah, well, yeah, that's right. and, and this is again a, a trope that continues to, to recur throughout all the Doctor Who. Mm. It's not the if, it's the how. We want to know how the magic trick is done. How does the Doctor get out of this? Yep. Um, basically, blind luck. It's it's Harry on board this, the the Zygon ship who, right. who fiddles with a few of the yeah. organic like, knobs. Yeah, and, he leans over. Yeah. And he just sort of smushes the yeah. smushes. So, the and the Doctor never knows about it. So just can I just mention this is the first time the Zong- Zygons just assume that everything's taken care of. <laughs> it's like, okay, we've lost visuals and we've lost, we've lost signal. That's oh, okay. He's dead. He's, he's probably dead, right? He's probably Scarison. dead. He's yeah, definitely yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's dead, right? We'll move on. Yeah. It's like, yeah, first it's, mistake. It's like they, the, I wish I could say that was the only time they did that in this <laughs> story, but it's again. not. It's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Going back to that decompression oh, chamber scene. God. I love that. Oh, Getting yeah. locked into a bloody decompression Steve. chamber in the first place is pretty... But we have actually have seen this sort of Eastern influence on the Doctor, someone who's able to almost have these superpowers, not because he's, the fact that he's an alien or all that, mm, that will right. obviously help, but he actually says, I've learned it from a, he learned it from a Tibetan monk. Yeah. So, uh, and you think that's going back to... Um... I think it goes back to Barry Letts, who was the mm. previous producer prior to, to Philip Hinchcliffe during the time of John Pertwee, his predecessor. Mm. They wanted to keep that sort of very alien aspect mm. to him. And I think Tom is the type of actor who would probably, you know, want to keep that as well. He, I think so. His persona yeah. was, is very otherworldly aside from the role itself. Mm. And again, uh, that body horror thing. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, you're gonna, they're going to suffocate. And so, I mean, mm. Sarah, we're Sarah, I suppose, in that yeah. scene. I'm, yeah. You know, it freaked me, thinking about suffocating it freaked mm. me out. Mm. Mm. He puts her in a trance mm. and shows her how to breathe, I guess, slowly or somehow you can serve... The option yeah, that well, you have got. And then he does um, it to himself in a yeah. very creepy way. Yeah, he kind of has right. an orgasm. It's really <laughs> weird. Yeah. I love this. Can we talk about um, when uh, unit soldiers at Angus's pub get nerve gassed? And they get, <laughs> they get knocked out. Uh, they're, all, they're all knocked out on the floor. They're all like passed out. A doctor um, comes running in, uh, wakes up the brigadier, and the brigadier's like, What was I doing on the floor? You've been asleep, brigadier. Asleep? Possible, I was on duty. There are times, Doctor, when you do talk absolute nonsense. Excuse me. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. It's, it's so uh, good. It's so good. It's but, a wonderful character moment for the Brigadier as well. He's so upright, you know. There's, yeah. no, there's no possibility on earth that he could have been napping on the job. It's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, it's so good. You've got nerve gas. It's not really your fault, but yeah. <laughs> there's one thing i kind of like to go back on, which I know we all noticed, mm. which is uh, when Brigadier, just before they go to London, or maybe it's before, um, he gets a call and it's the Prime Minister. And I was like, in my head, I was like, is yeah, the Prime Minister a woman? Be? Yeah. I'm sure, I was like, I'm sure that they did that. And they mm. did. And he says... Um, madam. Yeah, very well, Madam. Because I, I was I was like, what year was this made? It was made in early 75. You, That's you right. Out. Yep. When I looked it up, I realized that it aired in late 75. So it's like September or so. Mm. Um, and I was like, Margaret Thatcher wasn't in power until 79. As Prime Minister. Oh. Prime Minister. So that's about, that's about a four-year gap. But I, I looked it up, and she was elected as the head of the Conservative Party. So the opposition party leader. Yeah, mm. in like... February, February of 1975. Yeah, which is definitely six months um, before it aired. But I found out it was, a, it was... You found out just now it was a month or so. March 1975 is when this is shot. 
Yeah, so it was just after. So they thought, we'll just work that in. So yeah. it's obviously... It's, uh, it's prescient, and, but also a little bit funny as I well. Like I, I like it as well, not least because it's sort of prescient of the Thatcher uh, regime for mm. ill that comes afterwards, but more so that the Prime Minister would be involved in this. Um, the Doctor does gets involved, as you said, Cole, mm. because he's... Uh, you know, he wants to stop the deaths, but for the brigadier and particularly for the government, this revolves around the 1973 OPEC oil crisis where basically the oil-producing, exporting countries of the world yeah. basically put an embargo out on their product so that there was essentially a quadrupling of the of the oil prices and a terrible energy sort of crisis emerges mm. as a result of this. We get things like the three-day week in Britain. There isn't enough power to run the country and the economy stalls and falters as a result. The prime ministerial sort of intervention in this is to make sure that we don't have a second energy crisis. So you think? So do you think this garrison is OPEC? <laughs> I think it's allegorical, perhaps, <laughs> of not so much OPEC, but certainly the fact that oil is in short supply, and and this was the the grand master plan of the Zygons all along. So do we know yet that the Duke of Fogel is in fact a Zygon in disguise? No, it doesn't quite happen until about part four, I think it is, where the Doctor goes down oh, yeah. from the library mm, to the bottom of Loch Ness mm. and is basically kidnapped mm. by the Zygons yeah, after the, the ship is... We've got you know Sarah Jane in the library looking for clues. She's mm. actually the one who, in discovering that the Duke is the uh, uh, chair of the Energy Commission, cracks the, oh, yeah. the last bit of the, the, right, the yeah. narrative. And it really put me in mind of um, that, that scene in Tooth and Claw where the Doctor is trapped and his companions are trapped in the library with the, mm. the uh, werewolf outside. And they're thinking, how are we going to get out of this? And he says, books, best weapons in the world, in the world arm yourselves. Mm. And, you know, it's again, we have a library in the yeah. Scottish castle. Yeah. It's very it's reminiscent of Tooth and Claw. Yeah. It is, absolutely. And this is, this is Doctor Who, isn't it? It's yeah. not about guns. Oh, it's not primarily about violence and force. It's about being able to uh, outwit and outsmart your opponent. And I think we have that in Sarah. Yeah. But they leave, yeah, not only is she left alone by Doctor and Una, but she's left alone in the library... By the Zygons. Yeah. And that's where the door to the Zygon ship is. <laughs> she happens to pull out the right book, goes in, the tunnel. saves Harry, yeah. the real Harry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, she, she drags him out. Yeah. Yep. And she only, she, she's, yeah, I love that it's the only reason she realizes that he's the real Harry is because he mm. says, because he calls her old, old girl. girl. Old girl. <laughs> yeah. Old girl. This old is the sexist joke that yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but the sexism is subverted to a degree because it, it's at that point that the Doctor becomes the peril monkey. It's not Sarah who, who, who's uh, the damsel in distress. It's actually the Doctor who's kidnapped by the Zygons and taken back into the you know, mm. bowels of the ship before it's blasting off. And, and that's because he, doesn't he, I mean, I mean, the Zygons come and they find, they find that she's gone down the tunnel. Mm. And then the Doctor comes mm. and immediately finds the tunnel. <laughs> and my favourite thing is, uh, which the Doctor always does, he's like, is this the way to the alien ship? And he just goes straight, straight to in. it. Yeah. Straight like, in. Yeah. Literally seconds after he goes into the tunnel... He screams, and then oh, the Zygons yes. come out. Yeah, so such a it's, really it's cr- almost like they laid a trap. I don't it's like really... them being. If they're going to be stupid, they should be stupid. Part three finishes with him being, um, you know, basically kidnapped by the Zygons, mm. and, the, and it, the, the spaceship blasts off, and mm. we're left with the, um, the Brigadier and, and Sarah Jane and Harry on the shores of Loch Ness. But there's this wonderful, wonderful moment, and again, it's a character piece for the, for the Brigadier. Oh yeah, the doctor. They know the doctor's on board, and they're put, torpedoing the lake. Mm. Um, and there's this wonderful moment where Sarah asks the brigadier, well, "What about the doctor?" And the brigadier has this incredible stoic look on his face, and he goes, "I know, Miss Smith." And <laughs> <laughs> what I love about that is, you don't think for a moment that this man will put any of his personal feelings before his duty to protect the earth. That is the brigadier in a nutshell. It is mm. an incredible character mm. moment. Like, um, like even in even in um, Castle Fogel, um, the brigadier basically says that um, they're planning to lay depth charges in the lock. 
you know, at untold risk to wildlife and stuff. You know, you've got to remember this. So the Duke, the Duke says no. Uh, obviously, and and uh, he just just waves him away and says, "Well, I'm afraid there's no other option." <laughs> <laughs> he is a man of action, whereas the doctor's someone who was trying to, you know, uh, figure out the whole thing. The doc, yeah, his way out. Oh, yeah, and, and and exactly so. The brigadier is like, "What can I do about this to solve this problem right now?" Mm. Right, torpedo it. They're firing, <laughs> firing like, like giant mortars. Or something yeah, like that? yeah, yeah. But they're really like, like I don't know if it's bottled on real ones, but they're just like big. They're just giant. They're big giant bullets. Uh, I love it when unit gets to do dumb military stuff. Yeah, it's always clever. Always fun. The climax of the whole thing comes about when the the Zygon spaceship is blown up. Mm. The Zygons all bar uh, bro- Broton being killed yeah. in, the, in the explosion, which, by the way, takes place. In, can I please say it? <laughs> please do. Uh, in our unused quarry. I love <laughs> oh, yeah. it. I, I love, love it. I love the self-destructiveness one, actually. The explosion's It good. looks great. It looks yeah. great. But also, when you said before he was playing with buttons and stuff, he just touches two buttons <laughs> and just moves his hands very slightly. Mm. If that's your self-destruct mechanism... <laughs> You need to read. What if someone like you know just leans on the console, just touches uh, the wrong boobs? Like, you know, it's just... can I talk about our quarry? Yeah, please. Because do. I Sorry, think I, I think if we're ever going to um, be getting people into classic Doctor Who, this something is something that, you have need, to know. We need yeah. a quarry disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. There's a quarry disclaimer. There is a lot of quarry footage in Doctor Who classic series, like a lot. There's a lot of alien planets that look like a quarry. They're the same quarry. Yeah. The irony yeah. here, though, is that this quarry is meant to be a quarry and not an alien world. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. They land in the quarry. For all intents and purposes, they're just There's in the quarry. There's a quarry in the hand of fear as well, aren't they, actually? Yeah. Which is also a quarry, yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. uh, that's what yeah. I mean. It's yeah. a quarry. quarry. Yeah, not it's not alien. meant to be anything else, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. is it the same quarry? Oh, I couldn't even begin to tell you. There's so many dotted oh, around the Someone knows. Yeah. Someone out there in podcast land knows <laughs> if it's the, always the same quarry. I'm sure yeah. it's not. But. Yeah, do hit us up on our uh, social media presence when we have one. <laughs> um, let us know. I, I love when you, you get the, the Dukes released... Um, he gets to play a third character, the mm. actual Duke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the actual Duke. Really, who isn't a jerk because before they realize he's a Zygon, he's just some. Mm. He's just a jerky well, Duke. Um, but then the, the real Duke isn't yeah. a jerk. No, yeah. well, Angus McReynolds says himself. So I don't know what's gotten into him lately. That's it's not his right. old self. He's yes, like, yeah. that's yeah. episode one. Yeah, mm. but yeah, after this point. The Zygon threat, essentially, other than Broton, has been destroyed. The spaceship's been destroyed. Everyone seems to be safe. And yep. the Caber and, and uh, Sister Lamont and uh, the original Duke of Forgel are all uh, allowed to escape. Just in the nick of time. Just in the, oh, It has to be, though. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, why have the There's countdown? There's always got to be that run for cover. Yeah. I love that 60-second yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm, 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 I'm impressed by how quickly they, they managed to cover the ground. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> 60 yeah. seconds dash. I don't know if I'd be maybe able to get not, that far away. Maybe it's not mm. that big a spaceship. <laughs> Well, or Corey, Sarah, and that unit are running towards the spaceship. Yeah, yeah that's right. And then they they have managed to hide behind a ridge. But what's mm. really it's uh, it's it's Basil exposition time again, where um, Sarah, who has been looking through the papers and the books within the library, um, manages to twig, and this is mm. where mm. the the next bit of the the narrative unlocks <laughs> yeah. that the Duke of Fogel is the cho- the chair of the Energy Commission. Mm. Mm. To, and he says, "Oh, that's right, I am." It's almost like he's forgotten. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but when Sarah found that out, she was reading reading. She was like, "Wait a minute, Harry. Uh, we, we you know found out the Duke's that he's this, he's this, he's the head of the Energy Commission, and Harry is immediately dismissing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, this is boring. Yeah, it's yeah. Not important. <laughs> not important. That's not important. So. And, she's like, and she's like, "I guess you're right." Yeah, yeah. Like, leaves it. <laughs> And she um, never, and to her credit, she never says, suck on that, Harry. I was right. Yeah. 
So what were the um, what were the things that the Duke of Forger was meant to be involved in? Were, like Sarah finds those papers, and it's he was the trustee of the Golden Haggis Lucky Dip, <laughs> and, <laughs> and amongst those, other things. You wrote these down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote them. Good, good, good. Of course. Yeah. Uh, we usually professionally we should we we take a lot of notes. Recordings. We read a lot of notes. We've um, got notes, guys. I panickingly flick through a lot of notes. <laughs> Me too. Let's start again. Check your notes. Um, love. Effectively, we've we've removed the alien menace in the form of the the Zygons in this spaceship, but the plan still stands. We've still got Broton, yeah. and mm. we've still got the the Scarison. He can still take over the Earth, of course, supposedly with the Loch Ness monster. Yes. <laughs> which let's just let's take it let's take it for granted. Well, yeah. it's it's a tall ass, we'll but you know, word for it. okay. These 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 aren't. Uh, uh, these aren't aliens, a race of aliens who are short on confidence. No, so I, love, I love that the plan involves Zygon, a Zygon um, refugee fleet, which is such a great idea. And oh, this, yeah, but they're heading, right. They're yeah. heading towards Earth already. Yeah. He's already sent the yeah. signal. Mm. And it says they're going to be several centuries, several. which I love the yeah. scale mm. of. Yeah. And does that mean they're already, they are still on their way? All the yeah, time? no, no, they, they are on their way. Um, but they've got to transform the Earth into an environment yeah, yeah, that's much two, more suitable. They've got to raise it, raise it two degrees. Just yeah. give it, give it yeah. twenty or thirty they, years, which, and you will be yeah. fine. Yeah, no <laughs> this just <laughs> suit their rubbery lifestyles. Yeah. <laughs> so does it, but does it? What I mean is, does that mean that the, the Zygon refugee fleet is always on the rest way? of Doctor Who? Is it still always good on question? Oh, I don't know because we've got Zygons. I don't really in, think in, about that. We've got before. Zygons in New Who, and uh, but is that the refugee fleet? Mm. Not that this matters. This is uh, we're getting into deep nerd stuff. Far too nerd. I just like the scale of that. That is a really good question. So all we've got left is Broton. Yeah, so he's on his own now. Broton's on his own. With the Scarrison. Uh, un- undeterred, with the Scarrison in control still. And he heads pissed. to London. Uh, uh, Steve, what happens what, next? Well, I suppose at this point you've got um, what you would expect to ha- be like uh, the grand finale between mm. the villain and the hero, but it doesn't mm. really happen that way. And we actually have the showdown in this rubbishy-looking... Cellar. <laughs> cellar. No. Oh, but somewhere on the Thames. Did, again, but it's in that skyscraper where, the, where I assume the conference is. There's, there's somehow... <laughs> Which we don't see. No, we don't see. Yeah, we're <laughs> no, somehow in the basement of, I, I assume, that building. And um, Broton mm. gets caught by unit. And it's 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 over. It's quickly over. It's the brigadier who shoots him dead after oh, Broton yeah, has yeah, managed to to kill yet another yeah. unit squaddy. Yeah, when so Sarah, another so, led for the brigadier oh, to write. So Sarah, Sarah runs to get the brigadier. He immediately runs in and does his pose of the uh, <laughs> one foot higher on a step yeah, and the shoot from the hip, yeah. love the gun. Yeah. The hip thing. Man, he takes Broton out without a flinch of a moustache. <laughs> oh, that He's is just not, like that's the thing. I had, that's the <laughs> thing I was most shocked about. Like you said, Steve, there's a bit where they they sort of hold him in their sights for a second. They don't immediately shoot him. And in that time, in that smug, hesitative <laughs> moment. <laughs> Broton, like some unit soldier, comes up behind him, and Broton just brutally kills that dude in one second. And then the brigadier, and the, they, they, then they shoot him. It's like, yeah. why'd you wait? You yeah, why'd you wait? You just lost another now one. You're gonna yeah. write another letter. <laughs> yeah, another yeah. one. <laughs> write another Bust letter. Up another form letter and yeah. sign my name on the end of it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, this one's to the mother this time. Yeah, he wasn't married. <laughs> I mean, because it's BBC 1975, you don't get you know the hall full of international delegates and the uh, mm. the grand skyscraper or, or yeah, you know yeah. building next There's to the no Thames. Even no, no, you just. No. Get the cellar and the brigadier and Broton and, and, and the Tartars team. He's shot dead, and that just leaves the Scarrison and, of course, mm. the Trilanic activator. The what did mm. you call it? The sex whistle. The sex whistle. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. I, I can never remember what they call it. Chest piece things, like. or a pepper pot. It just looks. It looks like a pepper pot. Yeah, 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 it's like a ball of duct tape. They paint it brown. And, yeah, but, and yeah, it's got to look organic-y. <laughs> oh, doesn't it glow? And it moves by itself. It a did lot move by, by itself. <laughs> uh, through the clever use of magnets, I'm I sure. I don't hate string. 
you got that hilariously bad um, oh. shot of where it's obviously the Scarrison's a hand puppet at this point, and he's like, <laughs> he's like up, you know, pic- picture your hand up like yeah. a hand puppet over the top of. But you hear a screaming <laughs> and like cars yeah, yeah, crashing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was pretty good. Yeah, if they only you, you don't it, see it, its eyes blink vertically like it must be finger oh, triggers inside that. the hand puppet. It's pretty cute. <laughs> and that's so it. The, that's the Scarrison eats. So, yeah. he eats the Trilang activator and heads back to the to the depths of Loch Ness, where I'm sure he will just sort of live out his days. Only home. It's quite cute, though, isn't it? Um, And that last sequence then, everyone treks all the way back up to Tullochmore, you know, those miles out that the Mm. the, the doctors managed to park the Tartars. Yeah, now, this is interesting because, like we said at the start of the episode, uh, this was in Marta's departure episode. This is like, he really didn't get what he deserved. He kind of got, um, Mm. he didn't go into the Tardis with the Doctor and yeah, Sarah. Well, doctor he chooses of, not to this time. Mm. They're sort of showing off to the Duke that this is my TARDIS and then yeah. he turns around and offers everyone, sort of seems to offer everyone in the group. Uh, 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 and they're kind of like, no, um, we'll, we'll just take the, the roads this time if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, no, no, British Rail. That's, that's British what Rail. he says. Yeah, and then, but it seems to offer it to the Brigadier as well, which is weird because the Brigadier mm. never really travels with the Doctor and then not he like just that. smiles. He doesn't like it. Yeah. He just smiles and shakes yeah. his head. He's yeah. like, no bloody way. <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> he knows better. And Sarah takes a bit of cajoling, but she yeah. joins him. Harry stays behind. That's that's. It's an him. underwhelming exit, isn't it? Mm. Like there's no uh, final hurrah or thank you very much, Harry, shake of the hand. It's, oh, you know, I'll see you in London kind of thing. And of no. course, it doesn't quite happen but that it way. Kinda, it kinda, you know, it kind of gives the impression that we'll see him again at some point with UNIT, mm. but you just never really do. Well, mm. yeah, and, and when we do, it's mostly the uh, an Android replica of him, oh, which is quite yeah, underwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the Android replica. Yeah, it's mm. a fun story. I want to watch that again. <laughs> that's the Android invasion, but that won't um, be in the next run. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention the way the episode four ends on that weird Scottish in joke between oh, is this racism? The yeah, last, the last <laughs> yeah. dig, that yeah. last dig where there's lots of smirking and pursing of lips. You should have got a <laughs> refund. I thought you, you were Scott. Scott. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did they have a return ticket? Yes, I imagine so. You should have taken them and got your refund, man. I thought you were a Scotsman. And then, yeah, then, then there's a couple of beats where they both turn back and look at the TARDIS and they both smile. It's yeah, like, yeah. Why are you guys smiling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is, okay, just for the listener, this is another Doctor Who trope. It's the crap joke to finish the adventure on. We see it over and again. Doesn't yep. matter how horrific the story, there's always room yep. for a, a, a crappy little joke at the end of the story to finish it off. Oh. Usually, though, it's the Doctor who's, yeah. who's, who's giving it. I mean, yeah. I thought it was funny, but also, <laughs> yeah, it's just that weird sort of BBC mm. slight casual racism more. I, I want to know how it went down in 1975 when it was screened <laughs> with the Scottish audience, whether they were outraged they or whether they just shrugged they their... Voice, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Also, that's pretty much it for the story. We've got to link this back to our, uh, our mission yeah. statement. Why, why are we watching this? Why should anyone yeah. watch this? Okay, well, excellent, excellent question. <laughs> Apart from the fact that it's covered by all of our ground rules, namely four-parter, standalone story, it's blah, snappy, blah, blah, blah. it's fast. It's snappy, it's it fast. It's, it's a lot of fun. I think also we have the Doctor as his most definitive incarnation. Mm. I mean, he's alien, he's clever, he's funny, he's an action hero all in one. This is the, the definitive Doctor, I think. Mm. Okay, uh, guys, so uh, what's for next time? Steve, I think this is yours. This is mine. I will be choosing the third Doctor, John Pertwee adventure, Terror of the Autons. Oh, yeah. Okay, so just a brief, brief introduction. So two terrors in a row. Yeah, <laughs> two terrors of... Unintentional, I promise yeah. you. But the reason why I chose this one, it is Pertwee, who's um, also considered a classic Doctor yeah. in many regards. We go back to the early unit family day, so the Brigadier is involved in this one again. Mm. But we also have the introduction of a little-known character called the Master. Play 
made by the wonderful this is indeed. Roger Delgado. Yeah. So no more, Baby. no more details. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. If the if our listeners are keen, go out and, gotta, and watch it now. Please do. You've got to watch it. It's so, so good. It's, really oh, it's so good. It is brilliant. Yep, absolutely. When you put Pertwee and Delgado together. It's always always fun. We can't talk about that anymore. Well, okay, all right. <laughs> I know we want to. We That'll can. be next time. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess uh, once again, it's that time. Uh, that's all we've got time for here at New to Who. So thank you uh, for sticking it out with us for that whole. Oh my god! I'm sure you're going to edit it down to a manageable <laughs> yeah. length. Call. Oh, it's I still gonna, feel like we're just waffling. It, it'll, we are waffling, but I will trim it down to a lean, precise three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> and we will try uh, in future to be maybe a bit more concise and a little less. Uh, you know yeah. what? We're not going to be more concise. We're going to waffle. <laughs> and we're going to talk crap. And we're going to chuckle. And we're going to giggle. And we're probably going to curse. Yeah, and um, I'm going to have to cover those up. It's all good. <laughs> Until next time, it's a good night from us here at New to Who. Good night. Good night. Terror of the Zygons was first transmitted on the BBC from the 30th of August to the 20th of September 1975, and it was written by the exquisite Robert Banks Stewart. Special thanks go to artist Chris Achilios for the use of his cover painting for the original print of the Doctor Who Target novelisation, The Loch Ness Monster by Terence Dix. Thank you, Chris. We grew up with your covers on our shelves, and we love your stuff here at New to Who. You can either buy Terror of the Zygons on DVD from BBC Online or buy the episodes on iTunes. You can follow us here at New to Who on Facebook and Twitter at New to Who Podcast or even email us at New to Who Podcast at gmail.com. All New to Who Podcast episodes can be found to stream on our website www.newtowho.com and you can also click subscribe on iTunes. We hate goodbyes, so it's until next time. Thanks for joining us.